0: Welcome to the Financial Operating Base, a podcast and community to help you, the veteran entrepreneur, to navigate the terrain and accomplish your mission of business success. And today we have Dan Dwyer, founder of vet 2 Life, joining us. Dan, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Joe,
1: Jeff, uh, the pleasure is all mine. Thanks for having me and extending the invitation.
0: Definitely, definitely. Let's start with just give us a little bit about uh, your background, your time in the military, and what eventually led you uh, to advising and coaching veteran entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, so I had the pleasure of uh, serving in our nation's greatest army for 22 years as an armored cavalry officer which gave me the very best opportunities to lead soldiers from 16 uh, man tank platoon to you know deputy commander of an armored cavalry regiment of 5200. Formerly educated in leadership development and organizational development and uh, with confidence certainly spent 22 years in the best leadership laboratory possible. I learned and I was in, immersed in, in great leadership and, and followership experiences. And I determined early on that my life out of un, uniform would be focused largely on developing leaders and, and high-performing teams. And uh, something that I, I take great pride in, in doing in the military. Obviously, uh, it's 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 very reciprocal. Uh, the soldiers, as you guys well know, uh, are what shape uh, you as a leader. Uh, I'm a firm believer that it's both learned and innate and fortunately I was able to serve under uh, most of uh, some of the very best leaders our army has had and I really believe that that's uh, what keeps people and retains quality in our army and the opposite is true of course as well you know um, we've lost a lot of quality because of, uh, of poor leaders so I learned leadership largely by Observing leaders in their natural habitat and identifying those things that you absolutely want to copy and emulate versus those things you certainly don't. And confident in my human capital management capabilities, I intentionally started putting myself into leadership coaching environments where while coaching and consulting leaders, managers, and their teams, I developed my own business acumen, certainly understanding that, and you guys know this better than most, that unless you had a very unique job in the military. The business acumen is not always going to be there, so uh, especially in the areas of financial management and technology management. So, after working with several corporations and companies for eight to ten years, largely Colorado-based organizations because I lived in Colorado Springs, I felt that I had both the clarity and, and the competence to confidently work with and guide veteran entrepreneurs.
2: Dan, you uh, you contributed to an article in the financial operating-based newsletter early on when we were first publishing it um, about bootstrapping. And let's really go to square one. Uh, If a veteran's thinking about needing funding for his business, the the first question maybe is how much do they need before they should even think about how to get it or where to get it? So what are some steps an entrepreneur should use to analyze just how much money they really need?
1: Yeah, one of the reasons having a business plan is a good first step uh, for starting a business is to answer the fundamental and critical questions of, that you just posed. How much money uh, will it take to get the venture started? You know, I've had two good friends who, uh, with different businesses in different years, started strong, but failed because they ran out of resources. I mean, we see it all the time, and that's why vet-to-biz life is, is all about reversing the trend of nine out of 10 startups failing. Uh, In the first case, additional funding might have been available, uh, had my friend planned better and applied for a larger loan. But when things went bad, his credit suffered and he wasn't able to ask the bank for more money. Uh, In the case of my second friend, uh, she probably would have planned uh, to use fewer resources and ramped up more successfully if she had a more detailed estimate of her startup costs. Uh, The point is, having an educated idea about startup costs can benefit your business more than not having a plan at all and facing more unforeseen surprises Uh, the key of course is to look at your business expenses as individual components and uh, you can calculate start starting costs by making three simple lists and a few educated guesses and then adding them all up and the first list would be you know list spending on assets and Your business assets are the things you need to use in your business over the long term. Uh, For example, if you're starting a brick and mortar store, that might include items such as shelves, tables, cash register, and so on. A graphic artist might need specialized printers and a drafting board, among other things. If you're either making or selling products, uh, think about the inventory you'll need to have at the start. Uh, The easiest example is the books a bookstore needs to stock in its shelves or, or the raw materials a manufacturer might need. Uh, to start assembling a product. If you're starting a service business, uh, meaning you don't make or sell products, then don't worry about the inventory, you can skip this step. But all these items make up your starting assets. And while you might also think the money you have is in the bank is an asset to list here, we're going to save that for another list later on. So for every item on this list, make an educated guess of what the amount of expenses will be, if you can't estimate the price for an item off the top of your head, then do some research. Uh, I encourage that. And for instance, call a real estate agent to inquire about rental space and prices. Contact insurance brokers to ask about insurance plans and prices. One important note is, although computers and office equipment should logically be included on this list, you know the federal tax code allows us to deduct their cost from our taxable income as as expenses. So. Most accountants re- recommend calling them expenses, not assets. Uh, and we'll get to these in, in, in the next list, and that is to list spending on, on expenses. And what I mean by that is not everything you purchase is an asset. You also spend money on expenses. For example, it could it costs money to set up a legal corporation, an LLC, or a partnership. If you need some help on that, you know, I, I refer... Uh, your audience to uh, Andy Nelson, one of your previous guests, or somebody else. The money you spend to build your website, then the cost of fixing up your office, and the, and the salaries you pay employees to help you set up are, are also examples of expenses. Uh, there's no such thing as solopreneurship. If you're going to be successful as entrepreneurs, you, you have to have a team. And, and if you have a team, then you've you got to pay your employees. They're, they're due your due deserves. And because of the special tax treatment I mentioned earlier, include expenses for computers and other office equipment in the list. And then now add up your starting assets and your starting expenses to calculate uh, most of your starting costs. Um, Determine how much money you'll need to get started. And that's the final piece of the puzzle. And that's knowing how much cash you'll need to have in the bank for early months while your startup is ramping and not generating enough sales to cover costs and expenses. As you suggest uh, in, in, when you're, in your stated question, I'm a big advocate of bootstrapping your own business, not getting in debt early on. And so you've really got to look at this uh, this startup money uh, and, and how you're ramping up. And it may be conditions-based or time-based. Um, there are a number of theories on how to do this. Uh, some people say you need enough uh, to cover six months of expenses. Others say a year, but in my experience, it's usually uh, not that easy. Uh, My suggestion is to estimate your first 12 months of sales, cost of those uh, sales and expenses, and what you should end up with is a list of 12 months with estimated sales, costs, and expenses for each month. Subtract the cost and expenses from those sales, uh, from the sales for each month, and then the results should show you either you're short of cash, or you'll be able to tell from that spreadsheet how many months it takes to start breaking even and how much money you're missing. Uh, that's essentially what you need to, to have as, as starting cash. And if you were hesitant about putting together a business plan, which I encourage everybody to do, uh,
0: you're already well on your way after calculating uh, the numbers you have. Is exactly. that yeah. That info is so so useful and, and applicable uh, because as as veteran entrepreneurs, you know we have that it factor that that leadership factor that you described um, in tr- introduction um, and so that 's great info for someone to take a look at. okay, I have an idea that I want to execute we 're known for being able to execute, and now we can back into the planning areas that we don't have as much hands-on experience with. So now someone can take that list that you gave and figure out how much they actually need um, in order to get started. Um, So the next question um, is led to, well, if I know how much I need now, how do I access it? So Dan, can you talk through some of the funding options that a veteran entrepreneur or business owner has in the marketplace today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Jeff. Uh, as, I, as I said, bootca- bootstrapping is a is preferred method, but it's not for everybody. Uh, so the first might be owner investment, and that's, that's what I'm alluding to. Owner investment, are ex- uh, examples are cash, savings, retirement accounts, home equity financing, credit cards, which I'm not a big advocate of, of people getting in credit card debt to, to fund their business, personal loans against personal assets and, and uh, liquidation of those assets, right? A second form of funding is what I affectionately refer to as friends, family, and fools. Uh, Careful ground here, right? Um, Typically the first round of funding for most small businesses is is family, friends, and fools. And it's more common than you think. Uh, um, It's careful ground because, you know, the considerations for using friends, family, and fools as a form of funding are one, you need to absolutely structure uh, the investment or, or or how their investment is structured right um to ownership in the company or will they have ownership in the company you know um if so how much um if that's an expectation uh, repayment right uh, typically i've learned uh, not for businesses but if i've if if i've loaned a, a family member money i don't expect to ever get it back so but in the case of your business you know repayment terms or how will you manage expectations of repaying friends family and fools i've seen over time over the years many great relationships end because of this tech technique so that's why i say it's uh, it's careful ground there a third form of funding is bank financing either through a traditional bank loan or a small business administration financing and and then in the, in the interest of brevity other forms of funding include micro-lending, investors, venture capital, and crowdfunding. And, and there's opportunities there, too. And there's veteran-friendly opportunities there. I mean, if you know the name Kelly Perdue, who won, uh, you know, apprentice, uh, year two, West Point grad like yourself, Joe, um, that's what he does, venture capital. But you, you, you better have a pretty good uh, uh, value proposition. Whenever you're engaging anybody in these arenas of of investors or venture capital or crowdfunding, however, the forms of funding that I often see most for existing business are using existing profits, you know bootstrapping as I suggest, bank financing in the form of conventional loans or s b a financing because there are some benefits there and uh, and investors' venture capital is what I run across the most
2: you you mentioned the bank dan and you know, I, I think with entrepreneurs, we all want to get excited about our business and think about how much money we can make, how much money our investors and employees and, you know, maybe family members that we give equity to um, can make. But the bank doesn't really care uh, because all the bank's going to get back is their principal plus interest. So all the bank really cares about is credit right. and credit worthiness. So can you talk a little bit about how an entrepreneur should prepare himself to have that creditworthiness conversation with the bank and, you know, maybe what sort of supporting information is important. And maybe for some that don't have great credit or don't even know if they have good or bad credit, what should they do and investigate before they even go to the bank?
1: Yeah. And, and the greatest analogy is military operations. You know, you set the conditions for success. You set the conditions for winning. In this case, you know, you set the conditions for, for securing that loan. and um, you know, we all know the banking industry has gotten uh, savvy and smarter since uh, the challenges of 2007-2008 time period. So uh, there's six C's of credit that, that you've got to absolutely know and, and, and think about. And the first is capital, right? Your business owns capital assets uh, such as cash and equipment. Some of those things I, I talked about in, in responding to your first question. Is there enough to help support the financing you want? You know. You and others may have invested capital in your business, but how much? And the answers say a lot about whether the business is one in which that bank wants to invest in, right? Uh, the second is collateral. Accounts receivable, inventory, you know, cash, equipment, and commercial real estate are all forms of collateral that banks leverage to secure loans. In addition to looking at the value of your collateral, the bank will consider any existing debt you may still owe on that collateral. So if you're if you've got a lot of debt, your 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 chances uh, decrease uh, in terms of getting that credit. Conditions, you know, is the third C, and that's uh, the state of the economy. You know, today, you know, there's trends as you guys well know because you study this uh, daily in, in your industry, in the financial industry, and there's always pending legislation relative to your businesses. That are all conditions that are considered by banks, right? So, uh, these type of factors often are out of your control, but may affect your ability to make payments. Uh, so, that's a consideration. So, the next would be communication. Of course, um, it's important in everything we do, but it's certainly important in the way we communicate with our bank, right? Establishing that reputation, building that rapport early on, and your willingness. Uh, to communicate openly with your banker and your other advisors, uh, like myself, or, 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 or even the, the two of you, about the opportunities and challenge your business faces is key to, you know, a productive financial partnership. So those those are the things that I think are, are most important.
0: I'm sure there's a temptation to you know, get to or accept or take the first money available to an entrepreneur as they're going through this process. It's kind of what's there for the taking to go after it. And you mentioned um, some of the the cautions that we should take with regards to, you know, the three Fs and some of the relational risk of those close to you. Um, But what are some other strings or warning signs or, or you know, other things that someone should be wary of with regards to an equity investor or a lender, um, in terms of stipulations that they should avoid when they look to access capital. Yeah.
1: I I liken it to the emails we get every day in our email box. You know, there's a, there's a trend lately of linkage between, uh, LinkedIn and, and my emails. and, And it seems like everybody wants me to help them sell steel, right? For example, but, um, The language of loans can sometimes be overwhelming for any veteran entrepreneur or small business owner. So to simplify your consideration for commercial or consumer and SBA loans, here's what you need to know. Uh, first is commercial loans do not report to the credit bureau. They have a shorter amortization and, and do not have a fixed rate. Um, there's a requirement for financial reporting every year. Uh, they generally require a personal guarantee and they may have prepayment penalties. Uh, you got to know that. Uh, with commercial lending, you'll, you will provide your tax returns and your financial statements and your business plan, if that's the case. And, and that's the growing trend. You're starting to see more more and more lenders require that business plan. Um, uh, and it can't be just PowerPoint deep. You know, the bank will provide the loan. Then each year thereafter, ask for returns and your financial statements. Uh, these banks are required by regulations to review these loans regularly. Uh, your loan is kept in the bank portfolio and, and not sold uh, and that 's with commercial loans. Uh, now the consumer loans they're reported to the credit bureau. they have a longer amortization versus a short with the commercial and and they do have a fixed rate, so once you qualify there's no financial financial reporting requirements so sometimes that may be a benefit depending on your business. SBA loans uh, uh, are, are made to small business banks right and and or certified development companies and they're backed by a full or partial guarantee for the loan and and allows the banks to make concessions on one or more of those six c's that i talked about of credit Um, there are two main loan programs uh, the 7 alpha or 7a and the 504 loan Uh, you should apply for a 7a loan if you're looking for a shorter term and want to purchase equipment, uh, business expansion, or purchase of a business, um, you should apply for a 504 loan if you're looking for a longer term and want to purchase commercial real estate or long-term equipment. You're seeing a lot of that lately. You know, given the expansion of Amazon and the available of commercial real estate, some of these businesses closing. You know, if you find a location and you've done your market analysis and you feel that it's good for your business and maybe a 504 loan and purchasing that commercial real estate is one of your courses of action and in some case long-term equipment right so when doing this you will want to set this up in two loans an sba loan for the mortgage and a second loan for the equipment so some additional information about sba loans is that they require a personal guarantee by all the signers They're not for rental or investment properties. They often have prepayment penalties. Um, They require lower down payments than conventional loans. And they often have programs for veterans. And and that's important to note. They provide longer terms, uh, programs for veterans, fixed rate loan options, and they still rely on cash flow as a source of repayment. Uh, Anyone who owns 20% or more of a business identity is required to sign on that note. Uh, both banks and the SBA uh, guarantees are required. Of that, and if they do not want to sign, then keep them under 20% ownership. So that's the consideration when it comes to uh, partnership ventures um, or, or multi-owners. Uh, personal guarantee uh, means that the principal borrower is your business. And for example, if you have an LLC like I do, you know the LLC is the borrower, and you, the owner, are the personal guarantee. Garantal, if that makes sense. Those are some of the strengths. Probably not all inclusive, but
2: Dan, Dan that's a huge depth of, of information. And I know our listeners are gonna be uh, exploring those with their business. Um, and, and a lot of it is a cautionary tale of not getting in trouble and not hurting your credit and, and making sure your business is successful. Let's let's flip it and, and have a optimistic Uh, piece of the conversation for a minute um you know can can you tell us about a success story or two about veteran entrepreneurs you've worked with and and maybe what's something that they figured out or you coached them on that helped them achieve whereas to your point at the beginning many other entrepreneurs often fail
1: yeah so several success stories in in multiple industries uh, from a seed stage uh, venture capital firm led by an army veteran in Colorado Springs called First Mile Ventures to an app developer and marine who helps people save for and book travel around the world with his TripSense apps uh, to Team Rubicon, which is also Colorado based, which is a, a nonprofit experience. Um, you know, uh, And that's just veteran entrepreneur based. Uh, I recently, last December, moved from uh, Colorado Springs to Huntsville. In Huntsville, Alabama, and most notably, uh, believe it or not, and you appreciate this, uh, given your guys' engineering background as well. Uh, it's probably the uh, per capita. There's more engineers in the uh, in the Huntsville area than anywhere else in the United States. And uh, the funny thing about uh, these inter- engineers, especially some of the veterans, is uh, they have some of the same challenges as others in terms of uh, business acumen. Uh, most notably in recent uh, days, weeks, months, you know, I've taken my experiences in working with uh, Coors Brewing Company and New Belgium Brewing Company out in Colorado, and and shared those experiences in developing and mentoring uh, some of these engineers in the area that that that, that, that make pretty good beer, but uh, but have to learn everything that I learned from the standpoint of uh, human capital management, financial management. Um, technology management, right? So, and that's really, uh, those who learn that and and, and learn it quickly are the ones that separate themselves uh, from the other. Uh, I jokingly tell people that, uh, this area is probably the intellectual capital of Alabama here in Northern Alabama, but, um, but that's not the reason why I moved here. Uh, you know, I'm in a season in life where growing up in central Indiana, um, And having family also in in Destin, Fort Walton Beach, Pensacola area, as well as my oldest son, and down in Savannah, Georgia, uh, I wanted to be sort of equidistant uh, with family that is aging, and uh, certainly um, give them an opportunity or stop, if you will, uh, as they cruise up and down the I-65 corridor. So it's it's been it's been great. But uh, you know, I just named a few, but I've had the pleasure of working with uh, quite a few veteran entrepreneurs.
0: And and they've been great experience in their own right. I love it. One theme that resonates, and you mentioned this at the onset, is your passion for applying that leadership. And leadership ultimately is just providing positive influence, right? Taking your experiences, what you've learned, what you've studied, what you've applied, and providing that in a way that empowers and equips others, in this case, uh, veteran entrepreneurs to take that um, and execute and to succeed. Um, going along with that, is there a, a favorite quote, whether it's leadership or something inspirational, just a quote or something that guides or inspires you?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few, but, um, you know, one quote that sticks out and I, and, I, and I use it pretty regularly as I'm talking to organizations, especially leaders. And, and every day I'm experiencing uh, engagement with, with leaders who are younger and younger you know at first i i would read everything that was written about millennials but now i don't even i don't even touch it because the truth of the matter is no matter what generation you come from you would you just want to be valued and you want to be challenged uh, no no matter what your team is and and if you think about it, uh, you know, a lot of those young adults are, are leading high-performing organizations today. So one of the quotes that sticks to mind is, is, is from Lee Iacocca, you know, who turned Chrysler around uh, back when we were all young. And, and Lee uh, notably said, there's always three things in play, people, processes, and technologies. And if you don't take care of the first, the other two don't matter. And that can't be more true than ever than before today. I absolutely believe in how we onboard people, how we value them, how we develop and how we foster that culture of recognition really drives a whether or not we retain quality in a very competitive environment.
2: Dan, this was just a, an enormous amount of knowledge being shared today. And I know that our listeners, uh, many of them would probably like to reach out to you and ask you some more questions. Um, Can you let us know how our listeners can get in touch with you? And uh, we'll also put that information in the show notes. Um, And then also, I think uh, Jeff and I will see you in person in September at the Military Influencer Conference. Uh, So mention a little bit about that and what you'll be doing there and how people can uh, see you there if you'll be there in person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My my greatest hope is to be there. Uh, I've purchased my VIP ticket, and I've supported Cortez uh, Riggs, uh, who's the coordinator and founder of, uh, of the Military Influencer Conference, uh, uh, quite a bit over the over the course of this year. I absolutely believe that he's setting all the conditions for success in Washington D.C. Uh, in September, at, in the week after the Labor Day weekend. Um, it'll be my third. You know, uh, I was at the first one in Dallas, the second one in Orlando, and then this year. And uh, and I go uh, largely because of uh, the camaraderie, you know, the camaraderie, the connection, and the communications. You know, I, I don't go to pitch anything, uh, and, and in fact, uh, you know, that's never my motivation. So, um, if you're in the D.C. area or you need an opportunity to to learn and grow um, with other veteran entrepreneurs as well as male spouse entrepreneurs, a very powerful audience uh, that they, they has figured out and broke the code that they can work from anywhere and be very successful work, no matter where their, their military service member is, I would encourage you to, uh, to go to uh, Washington, D.C. And, and, and attend that event. Uh, how you can get a hold of me, my email address is dan at Vetabizlife.com. My website is bettobizlife.com. It's currently under construction. It's at time where I need to um, rebuild it and that's ongoing. Uh, but plenty of resources there. I'm active uh, mostly on LinkedIn. I find that uh, uh that's where I cultivate a lot of my business. Um uh so um certainly find me on LinkedIn. Let's connect. I don't pitch. I will not spam you with messages. So don't worry about that. Uh, um, Facebook, uh, I have a closed Facebook group for bet to biz life. which just dedicated to the boots to business advancement of veteran entrepreneurs. I, I don't pitch that they find it. And, uh, and I hope it's a, a rewarding experience. You know, uh, Part of this relocation this year, I've, uh, my social media activity has 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 been decreased. But I, I'm, I'm at a point where I've set the conditions to start increasing that more. But it's a balance, you know, and I make decisions based upon what allows me to meet my uh, goals and objectives. Um, I'm on I'm on uh, Instagram and I'm I'm also on on, on Twitter. So those uh, I don't I don't Snapchat. So. Uh, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy social media, and that's, and that's where I'm at. Uh, but, uh, but I have it incorporated in my own battle rhythm, rhythm and rituals, uh, much like I know you guys do. So so I'm not on there all the time, but I'm pretty responsive.
0: Dan, great stuff. Thanks so much for joining us, and I look forward to uh, seeing you at the MIC and uh, talking again soon.
1: Yeah, the pleasure's all mine. I look forward to seeing both of you guys as well. Love what you're doing.
0: We hope you liked this conversation with Dan Dwyer on bootstrapping and different methods to fund your business. Join us next week when we'll be talking with Flossie Hall, entrepreneur, nonprofit leader, and military spouse of the year. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll leave you with this quote from Howard Schultz. Risk more than others think is safe, and dream more than others think is practical. Thanks for joining us on the Financial Operating Base podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So send us your questions or feedback to financialoperatingbase at gmail.com.